Bible has been around, read, adjusted, and interacted with for literally ages. Greg has read it so you don't have to, and now births into the world, Better Bible. Before we begin, as you will be listening to a retelling of Bible, please note that trigger warnings are in place for racism, xenophobia, violence, sexual assault, rape, child abuse, incest, animal cruelty, and more. Welcome to A Better Bible. God gets bored, so creates the world in a week. This is dealt with in the very first verse. I mean, a lot of Bible is accused of being a bit slow, a bit boring, perhaps being a little bit obtuse. Not the opening verse. God creates everything in sequence. Light, heaven, earth, sea, grass, trees and shit. He sensibly gets a firm foundation sorted, gets the ground solidly in place before adding time to the mix which invariably means adding time limits. It's like, right, when you start a new game of Theme Park World, you get the option to spend some of your opening cash and get all the basics of your Theme Park set up before you start the in-game clock. It's the same thing here. He wants to make sure he's at least mapped out the basics of his super high-tech sandbox market simulation game before getting going. Make sure he has something to work from. Obviously, it'll be added to, dare I say, improved in time. But to start with, boom. You'll notice I keep referring to God as a man. At this stage in the story, that is unfair. We have not yet gendered God, and who knows, perhaps we won't. We, we do. We definitely do. Okay, so time starts and gets sorted into seasons. Then we get sun, moon, stars, all that shit. It's starting to look like a proper world with a backdrop just like how we know it to be. Now let's fill it with stuff. Fish, birds, animals, man, woman, all created and all told to be fruity, fruit, fruitful, told to be fruitful to have all of the sex. Also, man and woman, yeah, they, they have the golden ticket. They control everything. I think you'll agree, this is quite the first verse of a book. We've covered pretty much the entire creation story. The story that will have epic theatre and films composed about it, reams and reams of books, both fictional and academic, all from this simple verse. Verse 2. We, we run into some trouble here. As happens quite frequently with Bible, it now depends on which translation you use. Either we have the creation story again, like immediately again, only a bit different, notably men and women no longer made at the same time, but the whole rib thing. Or we have translations going, right, you know that creation story? Let's go a bit deeper. I've told you what I did. Now let's have a look at how I did it. Also, this second verse, and don't worry, whilst we are going to go through Bible in some detail, we're not literally going to break it down one verse at a time. Second verse, right, yes. What we get is an attempt to geographically place Eden, which is a garden where we are right now, by the way. Sorry, should have mentioned that. Right, we place Eden pretty much around modern day Iraq, Syria, that kind of area. Also, we get the special trees. Again, it gets a bit odd here, because we have the tree of life and tree of knowledge. Tree of life, grand to eat from. Tree of knowledge, bad to eat from. This will swap over several times within the tale. I've always assumed the apple, getting ahead of ourselves, I know, bear with me. The apple was uh, talking about banging, but would sexy times be more knowledgey or lifey? Genuinely can't make my mind up. Regardless, the snake and the Eve and the apple and the Adam fig leaves and hide. Now, right, God's knocking about saying, yo peeps, where you at? They admit they are hiding because they're naked, God livid, because he didn't want them to know they were naked because 
he was enjoying it? Regardless, Adam snitches like a little bitch and Eve, as a punishment, has to have agonizing childbirth and be subservient to men, all women, forever subservient to men. Seems a little unfair, but don't worry, Adam doesn't get away scot-free. He has to work for his food. Instead of food being there, he has to farm it, harvest it. Hang on. People are always quick to point out that the snake's punishment is to be a snake, but Adam already had to pick apples from trees, implying all the food had to be harvested. In fact, it seems obvious that they had to work at getting food, because if they didn't, food would be just there. So when Eve got peckish, she wouldn't have bothered sourcing her own apple. They would have been magic food, which incidentally, I'm guessing, was fucking delicious. So why would anyone take a chance on an apple that, that you have to go get yourself because a snake said it was nice? If you have a bakery that you know does really good sandwiches at incredibly competitive prices, you know they are the best sandwiches you have ever tasted, in your life, and someone you don't know, who definitely looks shifty, says, this sandwich shop, which is like a subway, but you have to make the fucking thing yourself, right? This is great. You wouldn't bother. You'd say, thanks, but I'm all set, thanks. I have perfect magic food here, which will never run out and never be less than exactly what I want. It must have been that. Because if it wasn't, that implies that God made paradise exclusively for Adam and Eve, but didn't really put the effort into the snacks. God wasn't working to either a deadline or a budget, so if he was working to either of those, they were self-imposed, and there is nothing more flexible than a self-imposed deadline. Anyway, they're kicked out of Eden, and to ensure they don't sneak back in when God's not looking, isn't he omnipotent, Craig? Well, he had to call out for them when they were hiding in a fucking bush, so who knows? He installs two flaming magic swords endlessly spinning around at the entrance. This will not be mentioned again in the entire fucking book. So everything's created, right? Adam and Eve are outside of paradise. Paradise is presumably still there, mocking them. Eve drops a couple of kids. Uh, we can only assume she was in agony for this with literally no one to blame but herself. Cain tills the ground and Abel shepherd. Now, Cain and Abel are both lovely boys and give offerings to God. By this point, I'm assuming God has fucked off and is simply dicking about in heaven. They give him offerings. God gets pissy with Cain's offering for no reason. He just starts being a dick going, what was this shit? You haven't got me a sheep. Your, your brother got me a sheep. My brother's a shepherd. I don't have sheep. Don't care, want sheep. You have sheep. Want more. Just one of many instances of the character of God clearly being written by a spoiled child. This leads Cain to kill Abel. Yeah, I know that doesn't make sense at all, but we're not given any real reason. And what is Cain's punishment? Cain has to have a vagabond lifestyle, drifting from place to place, and if anyone fucks with Cain, God will immediately destroy them. It's tricky to tell whose side God is on. He, he seems to change his mind by the verse. Anyway, Cain gets to a land called Nod, so Cain's wife, nope, no idea where she came from, get used to that, right? The authors are perfectly aware that with two characters who go and have two children, you very quickly run out of, you know, places to go, so Bible will helpfully magic up characters with little or, more frequently, no introduction. So Cain and Mrs. Cain have a child, Adam and Eve have another child, Seth, now we get loads of genealogy. This is pretty much where the whole universe being 6,000 years old comes from, because you get everyone's name and their ages. Everyone gets to 900 or something, so it's weird. The world is weird right now. You have people hundreds and hundreds of years old knocking about a barren world, other humans popping into existence at any given fucking moment and giants everywhere. 
Yep, that's right. You know when I said there were different translations making the creation story either immediately contradictory or just written in a specific way or an amalgam of different stories hammered together, right? The thing that all of them agree on is that at this point, there are angels knocking about the place, they keep on fucking human women, and those women give birth to giants. This is thrown in in a brief throwaway sentence, there are giants knocking about the place, and this doesn't require any investigation. God gets angry at mankind for, you know, no real reason, and regrets making them. God admits making a mistake. So he thinks he'll destroy everyone. As he is God, he could easily just magic people away, but nope, it has to be with a flood. Because of course it has to be as traumatic and unnecessarily painful as possible. Apart from Noah, right, Noah is pretty chill, so God warns him, tells him to make an ark, gives explicit instructions about how to do this, and tells him to get two of each animal. The flood story, right, comes up in loads of books uh, from the time. Pretty much every big religious text and the Epic of Gilgamesh, like, kind of sort of first ever book-ish, kind of, right? That has a story about a great flood, which is almost word for word, this Noah one. Anyway, right, God uh, says get two of each of the dirty animals and seven of each of the clean animals. It just assumes no one knows the difference. Then the flood happens. 40 days and nights, shitloads of rain, yada yada, boat comes to rest at Mount Ariat or something. A real mountain that still has the same name. Shitloads of birds, have a look to see if it's safe. Turns out it is and Noah builds an altar. God says sorry, got a bit carried away, won't happen again. Oh yeah, Noah, three things. Do lots of fucking, don't eat humans, and if anyone tries to kill you, kill them. Yep, yeah, sweet. An interesting first draft of the Ten Commandments there. Bang, good. Cannibal, bad. Kill people, go on, have at it. Simpler times. Also, I would have assumed that eating humans was just obviously not a good thing. I, I know, I know, don't judge them by our standards, but the idea that God thought that that was going to be one of the three things he'd mentioned kind of implies there was some man eating on the ark. Glosses over that. Then, rainbow. Uh, that is a sign of covenant between God and Noah, and Noah celebrates by getting shitted and naked. After spaffing such a killer story, Bible noticeably pauses to get its breath back with a chapter exclusively doing more genealogy. Babel, right? Loads of humans want to build a tower to heaven. God is scared they'll succeed, so breaks their tower and makes all people speak different languages so they can't communicate again. Also scatters people all over the world. No longer is humanity exclusively in the Middle East. Okay, right. Abram. God thinks he's proper cool, tells him and his brother Lot to found a nation. Abram says no worries, a couple of wars on the way, but they get to Egypt and it's pretty much plain sailing, apart from Lot getting taken captive, right? God says don't worry, it's all going to be cool, you and your people will be like totally fucked for 400 years. And what, 400 years? You promised me you'd have my back. God says be chill, Abram, and incidentally, that has to go. We're going to change your name to Abraham because that is much easier on the tongue. And whilst we're bettering names, what's your wife called? Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, Sarah. She's called Sarah now, okay? But you two are going to fuck and have one metric fuck ton of kids. It'll be swell. But if you don't believe me, why not have sex with your wife's handmaiden? So Abraham, not Abram anymore, Abraham does and it gets super weird. Abraham is banging his wife and his wife's handmaiden. Kids happen and, oh yeah, right, Abraham gets lot back. Turns out he was at Sodom and wonder if that will come back to bite them. By the way, God gives Abraham a special covenant to show his love for him and all his peoples. Abraham is really excited about this. He knows his history. He knows Noah got a beautiful rainbow as a sign of the covenant. What's he going to get? You lot got to get circumcised. We, what, uh, we have to do, what, sorry? You dick, foreskin, gotta go. Why to not question me? And there you go. That's the reason for circumcision. God literally gives 
no reason. Let's recap. I know I've been all over the place there, and this is kind of important. I mean, the Abrahamic religions are based on this little bit of story. Abraham and his wife Sarah are old as shit, and God has promised them loads of kids. A temporary workaround is Abraham banging the young handmaiden. Uh, Sarah's going to get proper pregnant in time, though. God proves his love to Abraham and his people by ordering them to cut off their foreskin. Abraham's brother Lot was captured during a war that, if I'm honest, I'm a little vague on, but Lot is given back by the king of Sodom. Now, three angels come to have a word with Abraham and Sarah, again, banging on about them having kids. Sarah giggles at the idea. God gets childish, going, did you just laugh? I didn't. No, not me. I could have sworn I heard you laugh. Must have been, uh, when... Then, midway through this argument, God decides that Sodom and Gomorrah are proper wrong, so we're going to get effed in the A. Two angels strut off towards them. I know we are now an angel down, but who's counting? Let's take a moment for Gomorrah. Sodom, okay, we do learn that it's kind of a badass town, lots of crime. Lot is there, so yeah, true, I said Lot was given back and this bit of confusion might be on me, right? But he's in Sodom now, okay? Just get on with it. But Gomorrah is going to get destroyed as well. I, I guess it's just guilty by association. This is one of the points where it feels like the story we read is only part of the complete tale. It's these moments where Bible being composed of thousands of separate tales, a lot of them being all oral tradition stuff, really comes to the foreground. It's an assumption that you, as the reader, already know the associated story so the book can just allude to it, which if we think of Bible as the word of God, and why on earth would we not think of it as the word of God, it sits slightly uncomfortably as it strongly implies that the word of God has quite a few, you know, e extra bits of reading are required to get the full thing, right? Regardless, let's destroy Sodom, yeah? Right, the two angels get to town and it's bleak. I mean, dirty streets full of crime and havoc. Some people get angry at the angels and chase them, whilst heroically running away, the angels find Lot's house. He invites them in. There is then a rapping upon his chamber door. Hello, who is it? Hello, Lot, it's the townsfolk here. Noticed a couple of chaps, unfamiliar to the town, ran in there. Any chance you could send them out here so me and my guys could gang rape them? <laughs> Sorry, I can't do that. I do, however, have two virgin daughters. Would you like to rape them? We couldn't possibly. We want the men. Okay. Two things. Firstly, right, you know Lot just offered his daughters to be raped by the gang. Lot is the goody. We are on his side. This is seen as an exciting, proud sacrifice. Also, this is one of the bits of Bible that is often used as justification or reason for saying God hates gay men, because he's angry at the concept of gang rape. Not because, you know, gang rape, but because it's man-on-man -man action. Anyway, right, the angels do a fuck up on these men. Angels ask Lot, Dost thou have a back exit? Lot escapes with his daughters, who aren't angry at him. His wife and the angels, they've told not to look back as fire and brimstone rain on Sodom. The wife, Obs does, gets turned into a pillar of salt and Lot, with daughters, still not angry, fuck off to the mountains. In the mountains, incidentally, I know this happens a bit later on, but it only seems fair to get all the Lot stuff out in the open in one go, right? Whilst in the mountains, the two daughters feel sorry for their dad. What? Greg, the one that offered them to a gang of rapists? Yeah, that's the one, right? They feel sorry for him because he hasn't got a wife so can't have loads of children. So, in the mountains, they get him drunk. Lovely. And fuck him. The elder daughter one night and the younger daughter the next night. They keep doing this, fucking their unconscious dad, until they are both pregnant because they are heroes. Meanwhile, 
Abraham and Sarah have a kid. Everyone wants to kill everyone else's kid, but Isaac, their one, is all cute and everyone coos. God comes in, kill him, yeah? And Abraham almost bloody does it, right? God turns up just in time, so I was only joking, you fucking maniac. Christ, you're a one, aren't you? As a reward, Abraham will father the world. Sarah dies. Now, we have a hunt to get a wife for Abraham's son. I assume it's Isaac, to be honest, by this point. My notes just refer to him as Abraham's son. Possibly interchangeable with one of the million other sons, but let's say it's Isaac. And... When looking for a wife, we essentially recreate a bit from the Odyssey. You remember with the hiding in the water and watching the Virgin get water and then asking for how from in the water? Yeah, that bit, word for word pretty much. And Isaac gets a wife in Rebecca. I mean, this lady called Rebecca becomes Isaac's wife. He doesn't open her up and find a wife inside, right? Abraham dies, and we have a job load more genealogy. Again, the Bible authors know that they have just kicked out a hellishly confusing and important tale all about Abraham and want people to absorb it properly, so give you a genealogy break. I think more books should do that, really, and, and films, right? Okay, so Isaac is leading all his father's people, and there is a massive famine. Total drag to each and all. So Isaac wanders around the wilderness looking for places to trade with. Ends up setting a camp near Egypt, right? Tells everyone his wife is his sister for inadequately explored reasons, and gets to setting up a shitload of wells. Then Isaac gets all old, he has some sons, Jacob and Esher. Jacob puts on hairy gloves to trick Isaac and gets the best blessing. Yeah, that that happens. There is a scene when a man wears hairy gloves to confuse another older man. Then Jacob, and spoiler alert, his name's gonna get changed and changed to Israel. We have a similar story where Jacob fucks loads of people and has loads of children and loads of wives and loads of mistresses and they all know each other and are all kind of okay with it and kind of really not, but Jacob is very much chill out ladies, plenty of Jacob to go around. And this is, right, this motif is pretty much all of Genesis, isn't it? The universe gets made, then men to wander about fucking loads of people because God said they could and their wives say it's fine but obviously they aren't okay with it and then everyone wants to kill everyone else. It's almost like the opening of Bible is going, how did you get here? Well, loads of people had loads of sex and we haven't yet landed on a morality yet so, I mean, you heard the beginning bit about women being subservient, yeah? We're, we're keeping that that means we can get mad poon. Am I right, fellas? Fellas, up top, man. So Jacob becomes Israel. Actually, God renames Israel at three separate times. Dear listeners, another fine example of the stories being thrown together from multiple sources with no one ever really bothering to check if it made sense. God forbid an editor have a look at this thing. Classic Bible. Israel, right, I mentioned he had lots of sons. Twelve, he has twelve. Each of these sons is going to lead a group of people, if you will, a tribe. Yep, the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is going along okay. Israel has a daughter, she gets raped, and this is a problem because the man who raped her wants to marry her but isn't circumcised. Yep, right, the rape got a lot of people angry, but that's not the reason people didn't like it. It was because he was uncircumcised. Well, whilst you're busy trying to swallow your rage and figure out what's going on, war, that's right, out of nowhere, there is a fucking war. Almost like the author went, that last bit with the daughter, that might have been too much. <sighs> I can't start a new piece of parchment, so I'm going to have to distract the reader. I've got it, right? If I throw in a war, doesn't matter who, with or why, that will be so beautifully disorientating that all I then need to do is kill off Isaac and Rachel and we are golden. So yeah, that happens. Then we chill out with some more genealogy. And finally, Joseph and his amazing, beautiful, technicolor fucking dreamcoat. And let us be fair, you don't care, I don't care. 
Would you believe that within the story there is confusion as to whose children are whose and people fucking all kinds of people breeds jealousy and brother tries to kill brother and fucks it up so lies and the one that is supposed to be dead goes on to be a proper strong and to be deceitful in his own way and all the standard shite. All you need to know is by the end of Genesis, Joseph and loads of his peoples are living in Egypt as friends. The Israelites and Egyptians, side by side, best buddies, nothing can possibly go wrong. That's it. Well done. We've got to the end of Genesis. All that shit that people believe, that book they talk about incessantly, that's how it starts. It's pretty, pretty dark, isn't it? And I, I think you'll agree. They should have spent a lot more time on those giants. By far the best bit. Anyway, I'm off back to the library. See you next time where we'll have a look at Exodus. Shit is about to get real. <laughs>